We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Which, Chris, I almost feel like it's redundant at this point. Why? The wind-up. It's already in the intro. No. It's killing me. No, the intro, Mark's the only one that hates the intro. Everyone else loves it. This, you hate it because it's not set up to play a clip to lead into the show because you think that's the only reason people listen to us is for the clips. So why don't I just play all the drops that you will have listed, and then that's the show. Show's over in, show's over in a minute and a half. People can listen to it on their way to work, on their lunch break, on their way home from work. I, there's sometimes, I, I don't know how you are a functional human in society with the way you, you think. Oh, you, we can't put a clip to, Bring into into the show. No one's going to listen anymore. No one is listening to this show for the clips. You're you. You're literally an idiot. You are an idiot. Now, what I want you, I I want you all to let that one marinate for a second. I just got Chris to have his Greg Thompson moment. I find something well, it's that not I know, hard. I know. I, I take something that I know you care about or I, that you feel strongly about, and I just got to find that thing. As soon as last week when I threw a little cold water and I saw your reaction, I was like, I can get him to blow up on the air about it. I know I can. Guys, Chris came up with a new intro for the show, and it's not bad. It really isn't. And I appreciate all of you who reached out to tell us that you enjoyed it. I just needed to get that out of That Chris. is a for those that don't know that that is a the music is a cover song so if anybody wants to figure out what 
cover song that is, oh. by all means, go ahead and, and reach out. <laughs> so I bet you can't. We have to start, obviously, on a high note, right? We got to start start this one off a little bit lighter. There's no doom and gloom. We got that all. In fact, there wasn't a lot of doom and gloom in the recap. If anything, we are the Friars Club. We have fun at other people's expense because we're not good people, no matter what Tia Stell might try to tell you. If you guys caught my appearance on her show, she's a, she's a gem. Go follow her. She She's over on the Built-in Buffalo Network. Uh, Tiff is just great. She calls us good people, Chris, and I'm not. And I think that if anybody listened to our recap podcast, they'd know that by now. We're here talking about week two, right? Raiders at Buffalo Bills trying to get the bad taste out of our mouth. Your time, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. The place, Ralph Wilson Stadium. The weather looks like it's going to be not a bad day for football. Not glaring sun. There's going to be some clouds. There's like a 15% chance of rain, which means it probably won't happen. And then at the same time, it's about high 60s, low 70s. So you're not sweaty. No one's getting a sunburn. That sounds like a great day of tailgating, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. The line is the Bills minus 9.5, which is the largest spread of any team in Week 2. Take that for what it's worth. The crew officiating the game is Craig Rolstad, who I didn't know existed. He's middle of the pack. Nothing offensive. I've got no evil history with him, so I'm pretty happy about that. Chris, who do we have on the call? Kevin Harlan, Trent Green. Kevin Harlan, yeah. The B team for CBS, and it is uh, anywhere in the Northeast you can get it, or uh, Arizona, Utah, up through uh, Montana and to the West, with uh, exceptions being SoCal and Eugene, Oregon, getting some Ew. other game. Were they getting the Chargers in Tennessee? Wait, hang on. Eugene is the one city not getting the... Yeah, the yellow. How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what happens? Where they're like, hey, this one pocket of human... Although, didn't Kyle Trimble tell us that once... Like, where he was in Erie, PA, was in that weird spot where it's like... you Sometimes you'll get it, sometimes you won't. Yeah, sometimes you're a Bills coverage, sometimes you're a Steelers coverage, sometimes it like sometimes Browns. It's, it's neither game, and it's the Browns. That's interesting. It's almost like being a swing state when it comes to voting. What do we get in the, five, in the 4 o'clock hour when we get home? What are we watching? Uh, Cowboys and Jets, or <laughs> oh shit, Giants in Arizona. Which Chris, I might, I might watch Giants in Arizona when I get home. I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm flipping right to Jets Cowboys. So I might go because I, I want to see. Well, I want to see if remember 2019 when the Bills won the battle for New Jersey and we just week one and week two beat the Jets and yeah. the Giants in the in MetLife Stadium. I want to see. If, like Sherman marching to the ocean, the Cowboys can't just go back to New Jersey or play New Jersey again and just beat the hell out of them. Just if they could tar and feather two New Jersey teams in back-to-back weeks, it would be one of the greatest things. See, I'm just I'm going Giants cards because it's going to be analyzed by your guy, Mark Schlereth. <laughs> My guy. That's your oh, guy, man. Mark Mark Schlereth. Yeah, l- listen. If you could, you, you know where you, you know what you know what Mark Schlereth is my guy in. 
if there was a competition uh, competition to decide who did the best job getting hit by a steamroller, it would be Mark Schle- like that. The, you're, the Mark Schleith, you're my guy. I bet you you look the best on the wrong end of that. I'm sorry, is it too much? To hell with that guy. He's awful. Although Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, his debut, like players turned analysts sometimes don't go well. Sometimes they do. You were just telling me a story about Matt Ryan. Yeah, they uh, came back out of halftime and they came into the booth and Andrew Catalan said to Matt Ryan, we were talking before the before we came back on air and we said that this game could easily be 28-3. to three. And then <laughs> Matt Ryan had a dead look in his eyes. Because he's like, oh, I don't know, TV. I didn't know you were going to sandbag me like that. You weren't supposed to tell them I said that. (laughs) I love it. Injuries to watch for both teams. Right now, the Buffalo Bills, by all accounts, are pretty healthy. Just Morse? Just Morse, with a finger on his non-snapping hand. So, I'll take that, correct? Yeah, or if you're other doctors on Twitter, you say that that matters. Who are these other doctors, or do I not want to know? There are other doctors on Twitter doctors. Of course there are. Awesome. <laughs> Chris, Chris, I don't know if you can hear, hear the disdain in my voice. Of course there's other Twitter doctors. You know, guys, bang to Bills.com. Just go there for, if you have any questions about Bills injuries, you want to know what's going on, you want actual insight, bang to Bills.com. Go to the website, follow him on Twitter. Or if you're looking on the screen, that's Kyle's phone number. Feel free to send him a text <laughs> for those watching on YouTube. I don't care about anything else. That's all I need in my life. Anybody else, if you want to go watch that nonsense, you do it. But Jesus Christ. On the Raiders side of the ball, things aren't so uh, things aren't so good. Uh, wide receiver Devontae Adams did not participate today in their practice. He's got a foot injury. Uh, Jacoby Myers is still in the concussion protocol, Chris. Did you see that hit? No. It was an absolute cheap shot. Illegal hit. Just now he he's out with a concussion. Like That's the type of stuff that they're... That's what irks me. You make a good hit and a guy gets concussed, it's like, listen, that's part of the game. When you take a cheap shot and hurt a guy and now he's not practicing the next week... You're garbage. You owe that guy a game check. He should be able to come to your house and take it from you. Punk you in front of your kids. I don't know. Something. Jacoby Myers not practicing. Chandler Jones still not with the football team as of today. Josh McDaniels has no comment about it. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has an ankle injury and he is limited. Chris, a quarterback with a decent but not great offensive line with limited mobility. That seems like a good idea going against their team, right? Do they still have uh, incognito? (laughs) No. Nobody has incognito. (laughs) All right, well, they'll be in for a day. And then uh, Trevon Morig, or Merig, I believe is how it's pronounced, is the safety playing with a thumb injury. He is not participating as well. So those are all injuries to watch for the Raiders because each one of them has the ability to impact the way this game goes. Now, I I have to preface all of this with just, guys, we're talking about the Raiders. I remember the last game the Raiders came here and played in Orchard Park. It was 
2017. It was the year that Ramon Humber had spent all of this time playing in front of uh, Matt Milano. And that was Matt Milano's coming out party. That was the day he had a scoop and score touchdown. He had a bunch of other tackles. Like That was the day that Sean McDermott finally said, okay, kid, you're ready. Go out there. Make something happen. And he responded the way, I mean, I mean, the rest is history. We never saw Ramon Humber again. So, but I remember the run-up to that game and just being really, really frustrated about that. Chris, yeah, bring it over to my monitor. What do we have for a score in that one? It's 34 to 34 to 14. (laughs) 34 to 14. We avalanched onto these guys. And that was with Andre Holmes and Tyrod Taylor. That's the Matt Milano 40 yard fumble return for a touchdown. Now, if you go down, scroll down. Ooh, look at that. Ed Hockley on the call. Yeah, Ed Hockley. Jesus. That's how long ago this was? Yep. He didn't die, but he's gone from football. And either way, I'm, I'm happy about it. Scroll down. Uh, defense, defense, Matt Four Milano. combined tackles, uh, three solo, one assisted, and then a touchdown. A touchdown. Fumble yard. recovery and a forced fumble. Yeah. Force the fumble, gets the fumble, runs it back. That was the coming out party for Matt Milano. Chris, the Raiders are one of those teams where even when things are going well, they can't stay that way. <laughs> they just can't. The Raiders as a franchise cannot help themselves. Between their owner's stupid haircut that nobody respects... I believe he did get his salad fixed. What you, I need to see evidence of this. Go find me that haircut now. So while I vamp, while Chris finds this idiot's fucking dumb head. Oh, yeah, he went bald. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh, no! Everybody, Chris, put it on screen for the YouTube viewers. Holy shit! He somehow looks like a bigger dickhead with no hair. I didn't think that was possible. He looks like he has cancer. No, it's not about about that for me. Here's what it is. It's that when I see you now... You are just, you're Frank Reynolds in that episode of Always Sunny when he shaves all of his body hair off and he's sliding around in Vaseline. Like, at least when you had bad hair, there was some character to you. You literally look like a worm now. You just look like a human worm. <laughs> what is this? What's happening? Chris. That's the worst. You said he got it fixed. You said he fixed his hair. You would rather have, you would rather have that dome piece. Oh, yes, because at least he has hair. Like, what, that's it. What was it? What was that shitty Nick Swartzen movie? Dickie Roberts. He looks mm-hmm. like Dickie Roberts' uncle. <laughs> that's fair. That's a fair call with this stupid haircut. But either way, he looks like a worm. He looks like a thumb with a suit on. And, and his face is so nondescript. Like, he's Quinton. Chris, you couldn't, with him bald, you couldn't pick him out of a lineup. If you put him and 18 other bald dudes in a lineup and said, pick out Mark Davis, you'd never be able to find him. <laughs> he disappeared. 
<laughs> if you ever had a if if he ever had a life of crime, like if that's ever a thing he wanted to do, now's the time, man. Like just steer right into it. Holy crap. He has become the most generic looking, nondescript like he he's a Sims character that you haven't added anything to yet. <laughs> it's atrocious. Oh my god. Get it get it off the screen. I can't even look at it. So of course the Raiders can't have a normal offseason, right? No. You go out hey, remember when the Bills wanted Chandler Jones? Remember it. And everyone was like, oh, my God, we really need to get Chandler Jones. We really need to get Chandler Jones. And then the Von Miller news broke, and it was like, holy shit, the Bills did what? You signed Von Miller? And then it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, Chandler Jones went to the Raiders. How is this working out for each franchise? Sure, Von Miller got hurt, but he's a pillar in the locker room. He travels with the team. He can't wait to get back. He's talking about how Brandon Bean is the best GM I've ever been around because he cares about me as a human being. Of course the Raiders are going to get into a feud with their high-paid pass-rushing you know, free agent signing. Of course they do, because they're the Raiders. He hates his GM. They hate him. I mean, I guess I would say, like, at least he's not pulling an Antonio Brown and trying to fight the GM, right? Yeah. Like, for his sake. Thank God that's not happening. But otherwise, there's nothing positive here. It's all bad. I think it was Raider Cody, who also has a podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He just tweeted out. He goes, why can't we just have one friggin' normal offseason? <laughs> like, what? And so Chandler Jones's dispute with the team is spilled over into the regular season out of nowhere. Like, Chris, not being allowed into a building, forcing you to not play, like, there's more going on there, right? Yeah. That's like the guy who gets into a fight with his wife about the fact that she just keeps leaving her shoes in the entryway and he gets in his car and he peels out of the driveway and you go, that's not about shoes. <laughs> Chandler Jones losing his shit on social media, uh, talking about how he hates the team, he's not doing this, blah, blah, and then they send a mental health professional to his house? Like, Chris, there's there's a lot more going on here, right? Yeah. It's much bigger than just, hey, they wouldn't let me in the facility and I feel disrespected. And of course, that's the this is the franchise that would happen to. And they deserve every bit of it. I'll, I love it. So we're going up against a team that is inexplicably 1-0. I don't know how they... I don't even think that this is a case of them winning week one, Chris. I think that the... Is it fair to say Denver lost that game? More than the Raiders want it, I believe so. That makes that makes sense because I think they had the Broncos lost the seventeen sixteen game to Seattle last year in a similar fashion. I think the Raiders just got lucky. Well, I mean, you look at what this was. I mean, it's the it, both teams are kind of deadlocked. It's thirteen ten at halftime, and then no one scores in the third quarter. They score a touchdown, there's a field goal, there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, they get lucky in the sense that, uh, first of all, Sean Payton, I, I think that the impact there has been oversold. I, I don't know. But what I do know is that they squeaked out a win. They rushed for 61 yards. They threw for two. Chris, you had 261 yards of total offense. <laughs> yes. By Bill's standards, that's not acceptable, correct? No. 
Josh on a bad day throws for 200, 200 and change. Yep. Your whole team put together 261 yards of total offense. That's not great. <laughs> it's it's not ideal. And so with that in mind, and the, the, their opponent only gained 260, and they won by a point. They come into this matchup, I mean, th- there's a reason that they're as big of underdogs, and I'm going to lay it out for you really as concisely as I can, just so we can get to the keys to victory and kind of wrap this thing up, because I feel like we've punched the, at them enough, but eh, fuck it. The, this, this year's Raiders defense is kind of what is typical of that franchise. It, over the last decade, if that's what you want to call it. Because I'm trying to think back. Chris, when's the last good Raiders team you can remember? Good. Like, really? Not- 1990, they had Art Shell and Bo Jackson, and then they ended up losing to Buffalo 51-3 to in the AFC title game. That's it. That's the last meaningful Raiders team. Well, I mean, I don't know. They did have that team that went to the Super Bowl with Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon. That's Raiders history. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, they well, No, they went to... Dude, they went to... The Pro Super Bowl reference. They went to the Super Bowl in what? 001, 02? Yeah, early aughts, O2, and, and, then, and then they had like a string. Of, like they didn't win more than seven games for like twelve Chris, years. I'm looking. At, I'm looking at it on ProFootballReference.com. You just go Raiders history. Look at Pro Football Reference. They made the Super Bowl and lost in 2022, and were either third or fourth in the division every single year after that till 2016. A 14 year run of not even mediocrity. You're bad. You didn't have a winning season for 14 years. You didn't have a winning season. And then you lost in the wild card round after going 12 and 4. And I think that was the year Derek Carr got hurt, right? Yeah, they had uh, Connor Cook. Connor Cook was your starting quarterback in the playoff game. And so it's just, it's one of these things where the Raiders franchise is always in some kind of shit, and this weekend they're in trouble. Like, their defense is what it has been for a decade and change. A 4-3 alignment and a hodgepodge of things that you can qualify as, like, there's a few things that are good at an NFL level. There are some absolutely just projection, Hail Mary-type projections in terms of NFL starters. And then this muddy gray area of guys who have been around the game, but... No one's going to tell you that they're good. 
or passable even, especially if you're trying to step up into the weight class of a defense that needs to be able to stop the Buffalo Bills. There's a few positions I see as noteworthy. I'm going to break them down for you real quick. At linebacker, the starters for him here, they've got two guys. Two. Robert Spillane is a starter with a divine Diablo, which isn't spelled like Diablo the video game. But here's what you have going for you. Spillane has never been good in coverage. He was a back, a longtime backup for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now he's playing for the Raiders. And the funny thing about him is I remember him playing in that game where we blew them out last year. Like Robert Spillane's out there running around doing not much. I don't know how you got into another starting job. But either way, it doesn't matter. You're here now. A third-year draft pick, Spillane can't cover. (laughs) That's just point-blank and period. He allows a better than 100 QBR when he's targeted over the last two seasons. Diablo graded well last week, right? He's not a game-wrecking talent, though. He's just a tall, lean guy. He's six foot three, but 223 pounds, Chris. Matt Milano is 225 pounds. He's like 5'11", five, five, yeah, just barely six foot. He's, look, he, Milano's a beefcake. Can I say that? Yeah. Okay. Beefcake at 230 pounds. This guy being 6'3", 230, now you're, it's a problem because you're, yeah, you're tall and you've got some wide arms. He doesn't play the run particularly well. If blockers get on him, he just doesn't have the lower body to take him on. And it's a real problem. And so you look at this, they can move him around. He's a movable piece. He played slot safety, played linebacker against Denver. But none of that matters if you can't match up to the talent across from you. And when you're playing a team like Denver that doesn't have a ton of natural playmakers, not a ton of tight end talent, not a ton in the way of running backs out of the backfield, I mean, Javante Williams is more of a runner. I don't know. It's just It doesn't seem to line up well for them in this matchup. Even if Josh did ignore some of our players, it's clear that the Bills' dual tight end looks, which I think they ran like in like the top five of the NFL last week. They were creating advantageous looks for the offense to make plays and move the football. So against a group of linebackers that are somewhat lesser players than the tandem that we went up against in New Jersey, who also don't have any of the defensive structure around them that the Jets have. Like, I just look at this as a glaring weakness of your defense. Also at cornerback, Marcus Peters signs with the Raiders because Baltimore declined to try to retain him. And he's aged, and I don't know. I just, I think about this in terms of he's the guy who can play you a little bit of man coverage still. He's the one guy who might be able to man up on a wide receiver of yours in limited capacity and still do very well in that capacity. I just don't believe it. He's the only one who's proven. He's the only one I would trust to win in a one-on-one capacity with any of our wide receivers. The rest of the cornerback room is the, it's kind of sparse and high in talent. They're just interesting athletically. You kind of threw stuff at the wall and Chris, look, look at the names. Scroll down a little bit. 
Nate Hobbs. Yeah, he was a he was a twenty twenty one draft pick. Marcus Epps, they bring him in from Philly. He's a free safety. Marcus Peters, if Merrig can't go, who was a twenty twenty one draft pick, like there's a right cornerback is a rookie. <laughs> this Jacorian Bennett is a fourth round rookie who they are starting at outside corner. There's not a lot here for them to work with. Chris, look how many cornerbacks they even have on the active roster. They don't have a lot. I see one under right corner and left corner's got two. They are very light on defensive backs, and the problem is that that does not do you any favors when you go up against a team like Buffalo, does it? Yeah, especially when it's going to be a nice day. Yeah. Realistically, the secondary, like, I don't know. The secondary and the linebackers did a decent job for the Raiders against the Broncos. But there's, like, if you look at their depth chart compared to the Buffalo Bills, it's night and day. And I think that this is a big step up in competition. And I also think that the zone that they want to run, I don't know that you have the athletes at those positions to really keep up with the athletes we have that we're going to challenge you with. I don't know. And if Trevon Merrick can't play because of that thumb injury, they're going to have to turn to Roderick Teamer at safety, who I... I <laughs> Chris, he wouldn't be on a lot of other rosters in football. He allows an 80% completion percentage rate for his career. Double-digit missed tackle percentage. Seven coverage touchdowns allowed over the last three seasons. He's not a stud. He's not a known quantity. People bitch about DeMar Hamlin. Okay. Well, there's a Roderick Teamer playing in the NFL. We're already ahead of that. On the defensive line for the Raiders, they have... it, It almost feels typical that they signed Chandler Jones, and now he's just not around. So, so they're going to come into where a game where they could really use a guy. They have Max Crosby. He, we know he's good. He's going to be the guy that I think you, Chris. If there's anybody on their defense who can make a play, make it's a play. Clellan Farrell. It's <laughs> hey, on Google it. Is he even on their team anymore? No. I don't see him on the depth chart. Where is he? Is he even in football anymore? I believe he is. So. Max Crosby taken in the same draft as Cleland Farrell. San Francisco. Okay, so he's a backup, I'm assuming. He's good. He's very good. And it's the thing that saved their draft in terms of, hey, we need a pass rusher. It's almost like, Chris, the analogy, if I could make one, it's like taking a first-round pick and spending it on a cornerback and then taking a fifth-round pick and spending it on a cornerback or a six-round pick, and then having that six-round pick go on to be starting caliber material and having that first-round pick fail, you go, well, there was a hole to fill, and I filled it in a draft. Is that or is that not the exercise? The Farrell pick was a fucking failure because he was was projected to go in, like, the 20s. He was And he went, like... Fourth overall. Chris, I'll never forget when ESPN cut to his like house party when he got drafted, and no one was in front of the camera because he wasn't even expecting to get drafted. <laughs> so you've got Max Crosby. Beyond that, their defensive line. First-round rookie Tyree Wilson looked very bad last week. Too high in his pass rushes, easily stymied by Denver's left tackle and left guard just a number of times. He had one pressure compared to Max Crosby's six pressures and four quarterback hurries in a sack. 
He played the run really poorly, too. Usually just by over-pursuing where he was supposed to hold the edge. Like, Greg Rousseau didn't start as a rookie as a great pass rusher, but he was at least sound against the run. This Wilson just isn't there yet. And it's typical rookie stuff, but you have to have that under control. He's someone that they can target in the rushing game. They didn't get much from their defensive tackle group either, which is really interesting. Chris, Jordan Phillips had a sack. The Bills' defensive tackles did okay. We didn't win a ton, but we did enough to... We tried, right? Like like The Bills' defensive tackle group did a decent job. The entire defensive tackle room for the Raiders had one pressure and no quarterback hurries for the entire game. And half of Denver's 94 rushing yards came between the tackles. They have bodies. They just don't have any star power. There's no Quinn and Williams. There's no Bryce Huff. <laughs> That's for damn sure. This game will get easier in that capacity. If I flip to the other side of the ball on offense, Chris, why don't you scroll for me real quick? Hit me with that depth chart because here's the thing. Jacoby Myers right now, first multi-touchdown multi game of his career, but he might be unavailable. We don't know. He's not practicing. At a minimum, we'll have a limited run of practice ahead of this. Devontae Adams also not practicing ahead of this game. This team has great wide receiver talent. Adams, Myers, and Renfro. Chris, people talked about Renfro like he walked on water. He didn't have a single target last week. Do you know why? I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Guys, realistically, the question becomes, can Jimmy Garoppolo use these guys? He's got great wide receiver talent. If the Bills had Devontae Adams, a healthy Jacoby Myers, and a Hunter Renfro, we'd be talked about the way Cincy's talked about. This all falls on Jimmy G, right? When you look at these passing concepts against Denver, he threw nothing to the middle of the field. He had zero passes more than 14 yards downfield. None. Like, like down the middle of the field, he he was like, nope, we're not go, we're not challenging these safeties. Against the Bills, you'd have to think the approach kind of becomes the same, correct? Yeah. Everything was either a short dump off, to pass towards the sidelines where an interception would be harder to manufacture. It was the quintessential Jimmy G offense, just with a less dynamic offensive line and running back stable leading the charge. It's what we saw from him when he took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. I remember that NFC Championship game where he only threw nine passes. This is the guy that you're going to have running the Raiders. It's just he doesn't have any, again, none of the support structures around him. In order to orchestrate that type of thing. Where I where I look at this and think that they might be threatening is obviously Devontae Adams is talented, right? I've heard about that. Now, if he's not healthy, I don't know what that means. Because all of our DBs are healthy. Our linebackers are decent in terms of coverage. It's going to be, well, I shouldn't say it. Milano is good. Ter- Terrell Bernard, he's Schrodinger's linebacker. I'm sure they'll start him again. It'll be interesting to see come week three whether Christian Kirksey enters the conversation, but for right now, we're probably going to roll the same guys we have. I look at the way they orchestrate this passing attack, and I just I think to myself, there's nothing here 
guys, go for your for your own benefit. Go to NFL next next gen stats and look at Jimmy Garoppolo's passer chart and ask yourself: of the two hundred yards, two touchdowns, and one pick that he threw, he had a six yard touchdown, a five yard touchdown pass. Everything else was kind of just on the sides, you know, around, kind of towards the boundaries. I might take a shot here and there, but it's going to be in limited capacities, and it won't be near the seams. It's going to be still more towards the sideline. I just can't help but wonder how a gimpy quarterback is going to try to manufacture anything reasonable like with these tools at his disposal. Again, Chris, I know I'm, I sound overconfident because we're a team that just lost on Monday Night Football in horrific fashion. But also, you're talking about a Raiders team that barely squeaked out a game against one of the worst teams in the NFL last year, the uh, the Denver Broncos, who, not for nothing, they're okay, but they still are who they are, right? Like, their roster didn't get worlds better. No, they didn't. They're all they... They got Garopp... They got worse at quarterback. They got rid of my guy, Derek Carr. That's for sure. And then they brought in Garoppolo, who's... You know, our our guy's after Hollywood stars, and he's after... <laughs> can we talk about that? We can. Like, is this the battle Is this the battle for who did it best? Like, yeah. there's a guy who goes, Hey, I took, a, I took a, a, a certain film star out to dinner who some of your fathers may know. Yeah. And uh, Josh Allen took out somebody with a real chest... And then Jimmy Garoppolo took out somebody with a fake chest. Oh, my God. Okay. So, folks, strike that from the record. Also, that's on Chris. That's not on me. I didn't say that. Here's what I will say. One of these quarterbacks just has a hold to higher pedigree, right? One of these quarterbacks, because realistically, if we're talking about offense to offense, apples to apples, sure, they could have a million things that seem like they're all right. Realistically, what it boils down to is who's throwing the football? Who does it best? If I want to talk about who does what best, and it's Josh Allen or Jimmy Garoppolo, I understand. Trust me, Chris is a pig. I understand what you're talking about. Realistically, Chris, let's let's face it. Neither one of us are savory characters, are we? No. So, which one do you want? It really does. If you're talking Josh Allen... Jimmy Garoppolo, it is your Mia Khalifa and it's your uh, Haley Steinfeld. It's, hey. Well, it's Kiara Mia is the woman's name. Kia Maria? Kiara Mia. Kiara I had to Mia. look up. I had to look it up. Okay, good. Wonderful. I'm, I'm, I was just spitballing. I assumed that. And, and the you're, one, th- you're thinking of Duke Williams. Oh, I'm thinking of Duke Williams. What? Remember <laughs> when we did that After Dark episode? Guys, for those of you who don't know, the After Dark's still up on YouTube. You can go check it out. Subscribe. We put all of our podcasts on there. We also have some After Dark episodes that run up there. Some of them are a little... Uh, yeah, We talked about athletes and why athletes try to pursue the porn star thing. Pretty funny conversation. But this really is the, what, Kia... What's her name? Kia Kiera, Spectrum? Kia... Kiera Mia. Kiera Mia and Haley Steinfeld. Those are our quarterbacks if we want to comp them. One of them's a cheap thrill... One of them, hey, hey, there's quality here. There's class. There's. <laughs> well, I don't know who Haley Steinfeld is. 
Of course you don't, because you don't watch anything. Although no. neither do I. Ryan Lacell actually got on me because I didn't understand Marvel things, and he goes, I go, I've never seen her face before in my life. He goes, these things, the commercials for her shows have aired during Bill's games. I know they have. I go, Ryan, welcome to my wife's world, where she has to just kind of acknowledge that this guy can stumble through life without acknowledging anything around him that he doesn't care about. If it's going on and I don't care about it, it's like it's not happening because I am the center of the universe. If it doesn't matter to me, it ceases to exist. That, folks, is narcissism. Not knowing anything about Haley Steinfeld in the year 2023, year of our Lord 2023. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. I've literally never heard of her. And she's in Marvel movies and that's what she's known for. That's exactly why I don't know who that is. So there's a lot going on here. There's a comparison to be made from quarterback to quarterback to these to these two women who both of them very talented in their own respects. I'm sure. I, I'm just. I haven't. I, I haven't seen either of their content. I'll put it that way. Chris, should we label it under research? I mean, I. I, <laughs> I I'm not gonna <laughs> research. Let's research their content. Um, either way. That's the comparison we're trying to make. One of these people is in a different class of the other. They have a quarterback who is a game manager, a quintessential one. He's going to throw a lot of things short. He's going to target the running back a lot. Josh Jacobs, you notice I didn't talk about him. I'm not worried about him. Josh Jacobs, statistically, running backs who take on the workload that he did last year do not have. It's why everyone was cold on him in fantasy football this year, because historically, Running backs who have 300 or more touches in a season do not fare well the next year. Derrick Henry might be the only one who's proving, like, he's the exception, not the rule. The rule is these guys get crushed, and it's happening. And, Chris, how much of that do you think is all the time he missed in this contract dispute? Yeah, that uh, that's going to play a role in it. Yeah, I mean, but, but they did time, go. But, but, but at the same they time, both went to Alabama. At the same time, Delvin Cook and uh, Brees Hall both looked good, and they missed the whole preseason. What's the difference between them and Josh Jacobs? Oh, that's right. They didn't touch the ball three hundred or more times. Also, could be our run defense. Could be. We'll have to find out. I'm just not bullish on anything here. For their offense. And so in that way, I look at Jimmy Garoppolo and I go, you kind of are the problem, right? And so that's, Chris, if we're going to start this week's Keys to Victory, that's where I want to start. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. You need to attack the line of scrimmage early so that you can run simulated pressures late. The Broncos' front seven is okay, but they don't have any star power. There's nothing going on there that threatens you. They have Randy Gregory, who the only reason anybody knows him is because he was the guy who kept getting kicked out of the league for weed. When he came back, he Chris, has he been a household? Has he made any kind of a ripple in the NFL landscape since coming back? Probably not. No. He's, 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 he's talented. He's a starter in the NFL. He's just not a meaningful starter. He's not a star. Their defensive tackles are big dudes, but they don't have any burst. Four pressures. Like, that's it. The Raiders' offensive line gave up four pressures, and three of them came on the interior of the offensive line with one quarterback hurry. They got great protection, 
And that's the recipe for Jimmy Garoppolo to orchestrate this offense, right? Uh-huh. Let him stand in the pocket, scan the field, and then choose which one of these short wide receivers, whether they're coming on a slant, whether it's a running back out of the backfield. The thing that's always done him well is that he can take pause, scan the field, and find a guy with momentum to catch and carry. He's he's relied on yards after the catch for a bulk of the yards that he's thrown for as a professional quarterback. That comes with time in the pocket and poise. You have to be able to stand there and deliver those types of passes, even though they're only five yards from the line of scrimmage. The Bills have more talent and should be more capable of yielding a better result than the Broncos' front four. And I think when you mix in some of the stuff that we do at the linebacker level, I mean, they did it during the Jets and it enraged me when they... It's like, you're going to bring Terrell Bernard in. Great. Wonderful. Because he's just going to get bumped off his rush route by a guard. And he he doesn't have the presence to stay the course. But I think that our front seven poses a much bigger problem for them than anything that the Broncos could put on the table. And the fact that even with no pressure, their offense still had a hard time maintaining flow, getting into a rhythm, letting Jimmy get comfortable back there enough that they could sustain long drives and ultimately put up points on the board consistently. I think this is it. You have to attack the line of scrimmage early and make these guys uncomfortable. Because if you can keep Jimmy G, especially with a balky ankle, Chris... He he's gonna know. Hey, I don't have the same escapability that I had last week. If it even seems like pressure's getting close, I just want this thing out. Well, that's where early you set the tone so that later you can fake pressures and drop back into coverage, and hopefully do what we did to Zach Wilson, where they baited him into that interception to Milano. It wasn't a bad throw; it was a bad decision. What are you talking about? It was a great throw. <laughs> Threw it right to him. I believe that this is a place the Buffalo Bills can win. I also believe that our tight ends against their linebackers. Last week against the Jets, the Bills' tight ends were quietly pretty good. I mean, when I look at it, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox. Eight targets, seven receptions. What is this? 40, 50, 51 yards. One first down. But there was more meat on the bone there than Josh Allen allowed them to have. If you force Josh to watch the tape and say, look, look at all of this stuff your tight end room could have done for you. And now imagine you're going up against even more mediocre linebacker play. Like, Chris, he should be able to eat these guys alive with that position group, shouldn't he? You'd hope so. I mean, with eight targets between two players who... Dawson Knox used to get four targets, sometimes three targets, sometimes one target. You could tell tight end was baked into the game script. That was something that they prioritized. I believe it will be the same again, and for good reason. You can thrive through this. And you, if anything, you want to continue feeding Kincaid because didn't he look in what you saw the game? He looked a little bit sharp. He yeah, he looked did. like he's capable of making some stuff happen for you if you give him the opportunities. Yeah, you know what happened on Monday? Our uh, friend of the show, Brett Coleman, put together a little slip for his underdog fantasy mm-hmm. Monday night parlay. Over, under, 
26 and a half receiving yards for Dalton Kincaid. No. It took the over. Oh. It was, the line was 26 and a half. Jesus. But they, don't worry, they failed on other things. Okay. <laughs> All right. But 26 and a half, he was right there. Yeah. But again, perfect. Perfect when targeted. Like, why wouldn't you continue to feed this guy? Especially if the attention still is going to be paid to Dawson Knox. I think that this is the runway, not only now in this game, but also towards making Knox a better piece of this thing that we want an eventual Super Bowl offense to be. The last key that I have for you is just, and if this falls on the offensive line, you guys have absolutely got to take Josh's mind off of what happened last week. There were times against the Jets where Josh didn't look comfortable, but there was no actual pressure coming. At the same time, there were plays where Spencer Brown got picked up and just walked backwards into the quarterback as he's trying to throw. This is the shit that they do on an annual basis where you go, this was supposed to be better. Everything was supposed... You spent more money. You spent draft capital. This is supposed to be better. And it's not. You have to find a way to fix this, Chris. But if you can... And you can make the middle of the offensive line. Because he knows Max Crosby is probably going to beat. He is going to beat. Chris, how many pressures? If we have to make a Seagram's bet for this week, how many pressures do you think Spencer Brown gives up? Uh, God. Five. Five pressures? Yeah. All right. I mean, last week he had six. He had six against uh, whoever the hell... The Broncos signed in free agency. I remember seeing a tweet. They were like, this is what a multi-million dollar right tackle looks like. And it was just Max Crosby blowing the doors off of him for a sec. So McGlinchey. Yeah. Yeah. He beat McGlinchey up real bad. So if people liked McGlinchey as a pro know that Spencer Brown is not as well liked and just got his ass handed to him by Max Crosby. It's going to be a problem. Under over, like, how many pressures do you think? I said five. You said five? All right. But this isn't a good bet for me. Why? Because you're asking me about pressures. You could just, like, you could just easily lie to my face. How am I going to find the information? I don't have PFF yes, or any. I said, I don't. <laughs> I don't have access to any of that shit. I, so, you know, you could just be making, I could be making, this just up. making numbers up. That's a, a, a bad... Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. It a, worked for Charlie Gross. All right. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, you could just be making pressures up. How am I supposed to find this stat? Guys, we're going to be... Everything's subjective. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be like whose line is it anyway, where the, the numbers aren't real and none of this matters. Um, no, I think that Max Crosby's still going to have a day. I think that if the rest of the offensive line can just do what they're capable of, you're probably playing a rookie again. I don't, I don't foresee Chandler Jones being away from the team for this long, all of a sudden coming out and getting the lion's share of the snaps. And that's if he comes back. Their defensive tackles are nothing special. I I need this to be a bounce-back game from them. I need the rest of the offensive line. And in fact, if anything, this should be a game where you can kind of 
have Torrance help Spencer Brown out. They're like, look, man, we're going to slide protection this way all of the time. And cha- we're going to leave D- Dawkins one-on-one with this rookie because he should be able to handle that matchup. The defensive tackles, those guys should be able to win one-on-one. We shouldn't have to commit a ton of resources to stopping Max Crosby except for two offensive linemen. Maybe a running back once in a while to help chip and do things. But realistically, we have so many threats, I don't think that they're going to bring extra rushers. That's where you win this game is the offensive line doing the thing that they did not do. And they settle Josh down because that's where this whole thing starts and finishes. If the offensive line makes Josh feel like they're faltering, he will put the cape back on and try to be Superman. And we've seen how that goes. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes he runs 44 yards in a home game in the snow against the Miami Dolphins and then dives over the pylon for the the, the, the extra point, the two-point conversion. And it's a crazy game and we go on to win. And then in other cases, he's literally just hucking the ball around, running around. He's got crazy eyes. The offensive line can help try to be the difference between those two characters. What Josh Allen we see. They have to win, and I think that they will. I'm confident that they have at least better odds to do it against this team than they did against the Jets last week. Go out there, make Josh feel comfortable standing in the pocket and waiting for one of those secondary members who isn't as fast as Deontay Hardy to fuck up. And then you take your deep shot, Josh. That's when you do it. Or you wait until their backup safety fucks up and you decide, okay, now we're going yard. You don't squeeze it into double coverage to, uh, to, to, Jesus Christ, to, to Davis on the sideline. Yep. Instead, you take the layup. Or you, or if you're not happy with a three yard pass to Dalton Kincaid for a first down, you have time to let him work up the seam and make that eight yard, nine yard, ten yard play that you're hungry for. Whatever it is, the offensive line has to win in that regard. I think they can do it. I think they just have to figure out the Max Crosby problem. You slide the protection and you challenge everybody else to win their one-on-ones. I think they can do that. You do that. I mean, Chris, there's a reason that we're being pegged as such a heavy favorite. Yeah. I believe that Max Crosby will not have six pressures in a sack. If we're calling the line five, I will take... You're taking the over? Yeah. Okay. I'll take the under. Does he get a teaser? Does he get a sack? Yes, he does. Okay, I'm going to take the I take the over on pressures and then at least a sack, mostly because of his ability to most likely beat Spencer Brown, but also if Josh is going to want to play like he did on Monday night, and maybe he leaves the pocket when he shouldn't and runs right into a sack, I could see that happening. Okay, on Sunday. Okay. I'm interested to see how this goes. I really hope I'm not wrong because I'm, Chris, I don't know. The, I'm not close to diabetes, but I don't know how many more of those seagrams I could drink. It's been a while. I know. Sunday, 4180, Abbott Road, Dock Slot. It's going to be weird. It's weird. It's going to be weird. tailgate, not at the mud lot. It's going to be weird not getting that picture I know. right at dusk. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still getting a picture of the stadium. I'm right across the street. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, it's going to be a different angle. Yeah. Dock slot 4180, Abbott Road. 
Come hang out with us if you're going to the game. Guys, we'll have plenty of food. What's do we know? Do we have a menu? Oh, we have a menu. What is it? Uh, chicken wings, chicken legs, pasta leos flying around. Uh, a little bit of Dominican food. Uh, I, I've, I've got beer brats and assorted uh, gourmet sausages. Compliments of the Sloan Market Camillos. I will be. I will make a stop up at on uh, Friday at. Uh, Premier Gourmet, and I will get a 30-pack of Montuckies for the tailgate. And also on Friday, because i got to work on Saturday, Friday, we're going to have a little bit of different chicken wing dip for the home opener. I'm going to go to the store, and I will be smoking two chickens on Friday. Smoke chicken wing dip? So you will get smoked chicken. So you'll get... uh, I'll get my white meat. You'll get your dark meat. I know how much you love dark meat. So I hate you. <laughs> no, well, listen, you do. no, chicken thighs and chicken yes. legs. I prefer them. Chicken wings. Guys, listen to this. Ultimately, it's it's elite. Breast meat dries. It's got no fat. It's got no flavor. You can't you can't really I don't know. Like I just started grilling chicken breasts again. It's out of control. I did it for my parents, and I marinated it, and I was like, oh, this is good. Why did they ever stop doing it? And I go, oh, now I know, because I can't take it to, like, a buck 90. I can't grill this when I'm drinking, because <laughs> you have to watch chicken breast like a hawk. I go, oh, that's why I stopped doing this, because I usually just drink too much and then dry the hell out of it. Yeah. Chris, this tailgate is going to be a... It's an emotional thing for me. I have been I have been tailgating in the mud lot for 15 16 years. I won't years. be surprised if Almost you just I won't be surprised if you just pull into the mud lot just out of repetition. <laughs> we're, we're driving down Abbott and you just pull into the mud lot out of repetition. It it's and I will say just like uh, Dirty Mike and the boys from the other guys I did have a conversation with someone who uh, works the security there for the stadium, and I was like, "I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I know it's in t- team owned, but I'm still gonna go have a party there, like one more. I have to send it off in style." And they were like, "No, you don't understand. You can't." And I was like, "I will get drunk in your parking lot again. You can't stop me. <laughs> you can't stop me." Uh, guys, come, come help us break in our new tailgate area. Uh, the owner's been great. He's been he's been very easy to work with. I I already love this. I think it's going to be a great partnership. I think that this is going to be a good fit for us. I think it's the best of all the options available. We are literally right next door to Hammer's Lot. So if there's anybody who's in Hammer's Lot this weekend who wants to take a walk over, come hang out with our crew. Yeah, if I'd you're allowed out it. from that douchebag owner of the <laughs> Hammer's Lot. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I mean, he is a douche. One of his own people, one of his own people told me, hey, here's where my wife parks because she hates that guy. She walks over to see us but doesn't park here because she hates that guy. I was like, that's all I need to hear. I'll just, I'll just come here and do my thing. And so far it's gone very well. Huge shout out to the owner of Doc's Lot. I can't wait. I think this is the start of something great, and I think that this is the start of the Buffalo Bills finally finding their footing and getting getting twenty twenty three started off the you know, rolling the direction we needed to. I can't wait. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rockpile Report. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. 
But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.